Hey, this is Boris Kojo. I am Karamo. I am one of the hosts on Netflix's Queer Eye. My name is Kulap Elisak. And this is Truth Be Told. The last few weeks have been exhausting. I even feel it in my bones when I wake up in the morning. The protests for Black lives. We're on our third month of sheltering in place, and COVID-19 is still a real threat. We've had to press pause on so many things, but what if one of those things is living as your true self? That's the topic we're taking on on this episode of Truth Be Told. Dear Truth Be Told. Dear Truth Be Told. told. Dear Truth Be Told. I really need your help. I need your help. I need your help. I'm Tanya Mosley, and we'll be right back. This week's question comes from someone we're calling Disrespected in Detroit. Hey, truth be told, I'm a recent grad and I live in Detroit, Michigan. Do you have any advice on coming out to your parents and once you come out, then being very homophobic and disrespectful? How do you go about maintaining a relationship while still maintaining your self-respect, especially if you depend on your parents financially? Helping us to answer Disrespected in Detroit's question this week is our wise one, Stephen Canals. Stephen is the first Latinx producer to ever be nominated for an Emmy in a drama category as the co-creator of FX's Pose. And Stephen, welcome to Truth Be Told. Hello, Tanya. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing okay. You know, uh, it's been a difficult time for our country I think there was a lot of hope and expectation about 2020 being a wonderful year. Um, And it's been quite taxing. It's so emotionally taxing. And yet, I feel like it's invigorating, this idea that perhaps this was the change and the moment that we were waiting for. I mean, of course, there's a lot of pain that goes along with this change. Is it the same with you? Absolutely. You know, I I think certainly in the midst of this global pandemic that people are finally tired of this systemic institutional racism and finally are saying enough is enough. This isn't new to the Black community. You know, protesting is part of a very long you know, radical tradition within the Black community. It it even predates Stonewall. Because I think that tends to be one of the places where at least, I think because we're in June and Pride Month, a lot of folks have been bringing up the fact that the Stonewall riot started out as a protest. But I think even prior to that moment, which really was started by Black trans women, the difference this time is that they have co-conspirators. So the Black Mm -hmm. community actually has allies who are saying... I don't have to be Black to care about what's happening to Black lives in this country. You know, the other day I was at a protest uh, covering it, and there were these three cute little blonde-haired girls with this big sign that said, Black trans lives matter. And and of course, I had to go walk and talk to them. Um, and I asked them, tell me what you know. Tell me what this sign represents for you. And they actually had so much to say. One of the girls said, you know, I've been reading, I've been learning, and this is a moment where I need to stand up for people. So, you know, 
that really spoke to me that maybe we are in a moment of understanding, truly understanding. I, I think that that's so critically important. You know, the conversations that I have been really engaged in, especially being, you know, stuck at home during this period of time, has been around how to really show up and be an ally, how critically important it is for those of us to use our voice, regardless of what your proximity is to Blackness. Because I identify as Afro-Latin and I come from a family that is mixed, both Black and Puerto Rican. But I'm also hyper aware of like my privileges because of my light skin and, you know, problematically in the community consider good hair. And, you know, and so for me, it's been really important to talk to non-Black people of color, and and in this case, specifically to the Latinx community, to say, just an FYI, Black issues are Latinx issues. So if you're saying you're pro-Latinx, then you need to stand up, because there are people within the Latin diaspora who are also Black and who identify as Black, you know, and those people are my aunts and my uncles and my cousins. And and so it's, it's critically important. And specifically when it comes to trans women in the trans community and specifically for for black trans women who have a life expectancy of 35 years old in this country so important that we not overlook what is happening you know in the midst of both George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's death Tony McDade is a black trans man who was also murdered mm-hmm. and i think his death has just been completely in many ways, erased. Um, and so for me, I'm, I'm looking at it as there are a trifecta of deaths that we need to be discussing in this period. Um, and so I think it's important that we remember that, you know, Black trans lives are included when we say Black lives matter. You know, Pose is this beautiful work that you and your colleagues have produced. And it's wonderful, of course, because it's entertaining, but it's also a form of social justice because it's it's giving humanity to trans people, uh, to LGBTQ people. I mean, in a way that I think art can only do, you know, it's a beautiful thing to be able to, through art, tell the stories of people and bring humanity to people. Um, I know that the third season of Pose was in the middle of production when COVID-19 shut things down. And I'm, I'm actually hearing that things are going to look a little bit different when you all come back to production for the latter half. Tell me more. It's really surreal to be in a place where, you know, we, we should all be now in June celebrating the LGBTQ yeah. community and, you know, prepping for our next season to air and, and hopefully engaging not just our audience, but really engaging everyone in a really, again, another heady discourse around queerness and transness and what it means to be in the intersection of LGBTQ and Black. And and uh, and that isn't happening. Um, but it's been tough to not have Pose as a, like a reprieve from everything that's happening to celebrate family and love and community. Um, and so in terms of the third season and going back into production... We're still waiting to hear exactly what the new mandates will be in terms of filming and keeping all of our crew and our cast safe. But we're hyper aware that we are a show that films ballroom scenes, for example, that have a hundred and anywhere from 125 to 150 background actors. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so how do you go back into production and ensure everyone's safety? 
I read that Blanca was inspired by your mother. I think, I think your mom's now my favorite person because Blanca <laughs> is definitely my favorite character. You've got to tell us a bit more about her and, and what your relationship is like. Yeah, I mean, Evelyn, which is my mom's name, is just a, a, she's just a wonderful woman. And she's also an educator. My mom teaches kindergarten and she's been doing that for over 30 years. So she loves children. She loves young people. And she's just very maternal. So much of Blanca is my mom. You know, just that real unabashed support of her children um, mm-hmm. and instilling in you that you are special and you are important and it's and it's good to have a goal and to have dreams and you should absolutely fight for them and just showing up for you in the ways mm-hmm. that you need them to show up. Was your mother and your family supportive when you came out? I think it, it took a minute. I mean, I, I never went through the rejection that Damon goes through, for example, on Pose. And funny enough, if, if you go back to that pilot, Damon's being kicked out of his family is what I always imagined would happen to me. I mean, yeah, because it's dramatic and it is traumatic and it's violent. Yeah. Yeah. And I was convinced that that was going to be my narrative. The reality is that my family and more specifically, my parents certainly needed time to, I think, deal with the fact that they had certain expectations for my life that weren't going to play out in the way that they imagined them. Mm-hmm. It's a reimagining of what it could be. Absolutely. At that time, we didn't have marriage equality. So to say I'm you know, LGBTQ would mean, oh, I guess that you're not going to get married, um, you know, or that you have no desire to get married, or that you have no desire to have children and the reality is, like, I'm one of those people who, yeah, no, I absolutely want to get married and I do want to have children at some point. Um, and so it, the configuration of what my family would look like or how I would achieve my family just looks a little different now. They just needed some time to recalibrate and to say, oh, OK, you know, it, it may not look the way we imagined it, but all the things that we hoped for for you, those things can still happen. Hmm, yeah, so true. Which brings us to our question asker this week. Let's listen to the rest of the dilemma she's dealing with. I'm actually the president of the LGBT POC organization here at Michigan State. I did come out to my mom. I feel like every time we have a conversation, I'm coming out again. But the issue that I've been dealing with is not blatant homophobia where she's just like calling me out my name like a dyke or a faggot or something like that. It's more of a, you know, you think that girl is pretty, is that your type? Or, you know, are you looking at the girls in the locker room? Or let me not change in here because, you know, women like women these days. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And I'm going back and forth between like explaining to my mom, um, just because we have a rough relationship already, that this is not like a choice. I need her to know that this is something I've been feeling since I was small. So how could it possibly have been a choice? So I'm just like, how do I say something in a respectful way, but also in a way that's kind of aggressive? Like you can't say things like that to me and expect me to still, you know, like be around and be respectful towards you because you're constantly disrespecting me. It's hard. (laughs) 
there's a don't ask, don't tell policy in the house. So we kind of just don't touch on it at all. Stephen, I mean, she really laid it out there. Um, And you know what? I'm thinking about the fact that she's at home right now with her family, with her mom because of COVID-19. And so she's kind of exactly in the situation that she laid out, calling it a don't ask, don't tell policy, which is really kind of a repression of self. Yeah. And that has to be really traumatic to be in a space where you feel like you cannot be your full self. The first thing that I thought about, though, while listening was, I wonder, I hope, that there is a local P flag, Mm. which stands for Parents, Families, and Friends of the Lesbian, Gay, and Bi Trans Community. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, P flag is, is such a great organization and I think would be a really wonderful resource here because it sounds like mom just needs to talk to other parents. And hopefully having a conversation with other parents of LGBTQ children will aid in her having resources and someone to talk to about whatever her fears or concerns may be and recognizing that, you know, her daughter can absolutely have a full life. Mm. What I'm hearing from you is something that's, really important because it's not on her to completely educate her mom in the ways of really acknowledging her full self. I mean, she can only do so much, but her mom does need to do the work to really come to this understanding. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I will say as someone who formerly worked in higher education as a as a college administrator for, you know, yeah, the better part of a decade, um, my feeling is always It isn't fair and it is quite exhausting to always put the individuals from the historically marginalized communities in the position of teacher. Isn't that right? And in this country, it often happens, especially for for folks of color. Um, But I think we see that as well with the LGBTQ plus community. So my sort of attitude, and and I get that it's maybe a little more on the militant end, is you have to self-educate. Like, it is not the responsibility of your daughter or, you know, us within the community to teach you. You know, you have... there, ha- And there has to be a willingness to want to self-educate. So, yeah. you know, I would hope that her mother would at some point say to herself, you know, I have a daughter who is a member of the LGBTQ plus community And I now need to go out and find all the resources so that I can be a better parent to my daughter. Yeah. How how would you say our question asker get her mother to this point? Because from what I'm hearing is that away from her family, she is like living her full self. I mean, she's the president of this organization at her college campus. But there is a longing for her to feel acceptance from her parents. And so really, until she has that, she's not really living her true self because she feels stilted, you know? How how can she get beyond that while also pushing her mom, but knowing that really it's going to be her mom to take those steps when she's ready? Well, I hope for the caller's sake that she has already found her chosen family. You know, I think that's such an important part of, of the... LGBTQ person's journey, right? It, it's 
such a large part of the arc on Pose, for example. Right. You know, so find your tribe. And I think in this period where we are in uh, quarantine, I would hope that she has access to technology. So whether it's FaceTiming or Zoom, you know, that she has the ability to still connect with that chosen family and with her community. So I think that is the way to continue to be your full authentic self. And then the other recommendation that I would personally make is to just create a boundary, you know, and if, if that means fine, we're sharing the same space, but we aren't necessarily sharing words, then so be it. But I think that, you know, more often than not, particularly for the LGBTQ plus community, there's this re-traumatizing that constantly happens and this expectation that we're going to continue to put ourselves in the position of, again, being the teacher and then being hurt. And I don't, you know, I, I just, I don't subscribe to that. I feel like, you know, her mom is on her own journey and just give her the space that she needs. The most that I would recommend the caller to do is to compile a, a bunch of resources and to share that with her mom. There certainly are plenty of books about coming out and books specifically written for parents who now have a child who's a member of the LGBT community. There are documentaries. One of the ones that I always recommend is, is a doc called For the Bible Tells Me So, mm. which I know specifically deals with, you know, religion and LGBTQ people. But at this point, the most I think that the caller can do is just to say, here are resources for you to educate. And it's your choice if you want to do that. Stephen, you seem like you're a naturally measured person. So I could see having that conversation with you and you being very clear and very direct, but measured in saying, here are my boundaries and here are resources to help you. But one thing our question asker said was that I don't want to be disrespectful to my mother, and I don't want to get in a sort of battle with her, which actually indicates to me that there could be this emotional tendency there, which I feel too when I'm having a discussion with someone I love deeply, and I feel like we don't have an understanding. It could really get heated and, and turn into emotion. How do you suggest she's able to articulate that to her mom without going to that emotional place? I think what's important is to, I mean, I, I over-communicate. So I would say to just ensure that you're communicating to your mom that this isn't about being disrespectful to her or disrespecting the fact that you're living under her roof, but that you are being respectful of yourself, mm. you know, and... You know, and, and turn it around and talk about the tools and the teachings that you received from your parent. You know, I think that was something that I know those were conversations that I had with my parents when I came out, which is, you know, there is a way that you taught me to be. You know, I understand that me speaking your truth right now may be hurtful for you, but you are the ones who parented me and gave me the lesson that it is important for me to always speak my truth and to walk in it. So yeah. that I am now doing that and that is hurtful or problematic for you, that's on you. You have to deal yeah. with that. I'm not going to dim my own shine and I'm certainly not going to speak my truth because you have a problem with it. Um, and so I think it's just really critically important for the caller to 
take a moment to reflect on what are the lessons that your mom gave you? What were those important teachings growing up? And remind your mom of them, you know, how those teachings shaped you to be the human that you are. That's really powerful. And I think any mother, any parent who loves her child will respond to that, you know, because, I mean, that's what you want for your child is to be able to impart the lessons that you gave them. The other really important thing is that I because I, I, I know I hear this often is that I think parents will take a, their child being a member of the LGBT community personally as if somehow they did something wrong. And I think what's so important, too, to say, especially for any parents who may be listening, is that there's nothing wrong with your child. You know, like I think, especially for those people who are religious, you know, like your child is a child of God. And so that doesn't stop. That doesn't end just because your child came out. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned the importance of creating family and That is really what Pose is all about, this idea that you can create the family that you want, that you need. Um, You have a loving family that is part of your bloodline, but then you also have this other family that you've created. Absolutely. You know, I, I... And I'm so fortunate. I mean, that's the thing that I love about being a member of the LGBTQ community. The reality is I think that any of your identities has the capacity to provide a chosen family. You know, whether you are a woman, whether you are Black or Latinx, all three, you know, I think that that is the truth, right? Is I think that we all have these identities that we hold and there is a connection that you then have an unspoken connection that you have with other individuals who share those same identities. And so when it comes specifically to being a member of the LGBTQ plus community, you know, I love that I have a chosen family. What about our question askers financial ties to her family? I mean, she's young, she's still tied to them and she depends on them. And so when I think of her hesitation and truly having this discussion with her mother, Um, she needs to have it so that she can be her full self, but she doesn't want to also get kicked out on the street, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's certainly really tough. It's a tough position to be in and very tricky. My immediate response is to say, what are the ways that you can start working towards having financial independence? But I know that that's easier said than done. And in this particular moment, where we are dealing with, you know, a shutdown and various states being in in different phases. Record unemployment. It is such a devastating time. It's just really, really, really difficult and tough. Um, I think what's really important for our Detroit caller to know is that your identity matters and your voice matters and you have every right to stand in your truth and to speak that truth. And so what you have to do to survive, you know, while under your mother's roof, you know, if that means not engaging in conversations with your family around your identity, as soul crushing as it is, like know that that's just part of what you have to do to survive. 
And also at age 23, things can seem so consequential. I mean, it's the one thing that I love about you is that you've had multiple lives. Um, You worked in an entirely different industry before you became this writer. And now you're here in Los Angeles and you're living this dream. So I think about being 23 years old and feeling like these are the moments where I have to have the conversation now with my mother. We all do that to ourselves when we're young, but but maybe now is not the time to talk to her mom about this. You have so much time. And I think, you know, not having a conversation with your family about your identity doesn't have to, A, define you, and B, it certainly doesn't have to dim your shine. We put so much stock in our bloodline, you know, and our, our given family. And, you know, I think especially for the LGBTQ community, I think it's been proven over and over again that there are moments where your chosen family is absolutely equally as important and in some cases more important than the family that you're born into. That doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. Um, You know, and you'll put, you know, continue to hold hope that they will evolve and that they will grow and eventually embrace you for your fullness. Being financially tied and living under the same roof. Again, I understand and I've been in that position. I know how hard that is to feel like I'm not living my truth and I'm not fully being myself. And I think something else that just came to mind in terms of reframing that for your family is to say, and this was a conversation I had to have with my family is, how well do you really want to know me? Oh. Because there's a whole part of my life then that you're asking for me to hide. And and do you want to play this role or do you really want to know me? That's so powerful. Yeah. You know, and, and the answer to that question, it's heartbreaking because I think for many people, sometimes the answer to that question isn't what you are hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... As someone who tries to to navigate life as an optimist, you know, I would say, let's just hope that even if it isn't now, that at some point in the near future, that they will come around and they will say, I made a mistake. And even if they don't acknowledge that they made a mistake, that they will acknowledge, yes, you're right. I do want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to be a part of your life, you know? Stephen, this was great. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's Stephen Canals, the co-creator of Pose. And he is so smooth, isn't he? I just love it. Okay, the poem you're about to hear gets at Stephen's advice about parents and allies doing the work, basically educating ourselves on how we show up for each other. It's called The Formula of Forgiveness by Jay Escoto. The Formula for Forgiveness. If I am she 34 times in a day, and I am only he twice, what is the difference between me and her? How do we add up? If 34 times in a day multiplies by two each time a she takes me by the neck, what is the product of my identity? For every old habits die hard, we'll get there. It's going to take everyone some time. That's not what I meant. It'll take some getting used to. You have to be a little more understanding. Just be patient with us. It's hard to remember. For every, hey, just a reminder, my pronouns are he, him. 
Hi, can someone chat her to let her know what my pronouns are? Hello, I would appreciate it if you would use my pronouns. Just a reminder, my pronouns are he, him. You didn't use my pronouns at all today. For every, I mean he. I'm sorry, I meant he. His pronouns are he, him. You mean he. His, not hers. Remember, he. It's he, him. That has not been said on my behalf for my family and friends. For every she, with no follow-up, with no correction, with no apology, just she, just this bomb, just the salt into the wound I've learned how to disguise into a chuckle, into a smile, into I forgive you once again. I forgive you all once again. I will solve this problem for you all once again. Don't worry about the math once again. I will solve this on my own once again. That's Jay Escoto. He's a Filipino trans poet who comes to us from Split This Rocks the Quarry, a social justice poetry database. His book, The Woman Inside of Me, was released last year. Truth Be Told is produced by Susie Racho, Issa Mendoza, and Katie McMurrin. KQED's leadership team includes Erica Aguilar, Ethan Tovin Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. And a big thanks to Kiana Mogadam. Truth Be Told is a production of KQED in San Francisco. I'm Tanya Mosley. <laughs>